Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. It must have intrigued my mother to have her hair lit on fire by my father, because years later she found herself standing in a small rental surrounded by their seven kids. This program features the work of 2014 writer John D. Mullen. Curator Felicia Gonzalez spoke with him in an interview. I'm curious, what makes you want to write, John? I always have a story going in my head. When I'm watching something, even people on a bus who might be having a conversation or somebody asking the bus driver for directions, I start putting dialogue in their mouths and taking things into all sorts of other directions. And a lot of stuff I could never say out loud. It would, you know, arrest me. And I try to always have a journal with me because I don't know what's going to spark my imagination. What's the most difficult thing you've ever written, and why was it so hard? The most difficult thing I've ever written was about my finding out I had HIV. And there was a lot of people who didn't know. And so I wrote this piece about it. But it was difficult to, you know, how do you tell a story like that and not make it, oh, boo-hoo, so poor you. So it was, it was that. And also it was me not wanting to sit down with all these friends one by one and tell them because it was too much. So I thought, okay, everybody, I'll try to give you a fun show. This isn't supposed to be sad, but, you know. But it was hard um, to tell it as plainly as I could and let it be funny where it was funny because even when bad stuff's going on, funny stuff happens. Tell me about the project that you're working on for Jack Straw. I'm working on a series of short stories that are memoir with some fiction. I'd say it's creative nonfiction. The thing that drives a lot of the scenes in this is I remember particular things that my mother would repeat, like, I'm going to have a nice house when all you kids are gone. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> how soon would you like me to check out? Uh, so that's where I try to stay true to it is what in that character is contained in those snippets that I absolutely remember. And then out from that is the fictionalized part to bring the scene together, to create a scene that, that makes sense in a short story format. Now we'll hear a selection from John's live reading. Thanks for coming. I was working on a longer piece about uh, when I moved to Seattle, and this opportunity came up, and I thought, I'm just going to work on something from way back, early in my childhood, a story that I had thought about but never wrote down. And this is that piece. It's called The Lineup. This place is a nuthouse. My mother charged to the living room, snatching up dirty clothes. These kids think I'm their maid. My mother talked out loud to someone we kids couldn't see. And she talked so loud we could overhear all of their conversations. <laughs> I've never met a bunch of lazier, sneakier kids in all my life, she often told her invisible friend. 
She peeked through the, the Venetian blinds and looked out at the street for the egg man, the milkman, the beer truck, any adult capable of conversation. If she spotted someone, she yanked the curler out of her bangs and stuck her head out the door. Hello? Hey, Mary, how's the kids? An adult's voice was my mother's idea of a vacation. <laughs> Before you kids showed up, was the opening line of many of my mother's stories. <laughs> she talked as though we were visitors who didn't know enough to go home. <laughs> my place in the lineup of kids came at number six out of seven. Before you kids showed up, I got my hair done and lived in a clean house. <laughs> These days, a pink curler crowned my mother's forehead and she fingered the rosary in her house coat pocket. She stared wide-eyed at the piles of toys and clothes flung across every inch of our place. Our house was never like this when I was growing up. She sounded like she just saw an elephant walking down the street. I rather enjoyed the garage sale atmosphere of our home. I felt free and breezy leaving my toys and dishes wherever I wanted. All nine of us shared one tiny bathroom with the tipped floor at the top of the stairs. The line for the bathroom congregated on the steps. You could always find at least one or two of us waiting our turn. The after-dinner rush gave us kids a chance to play together and expressed our bottled-up rage. Hanging out with on the steps with my siblings was like a boxing match without age, weight, or height restrictions on the matchups. <laughs> You're in my place. My sister Beth's toe wedged itself between me and the step. Move. She cradled me in her lap at the dinner table just minutes before, but something came over her when she was waiting on those stairs. I grabbed the railing over my head and held on. I said, move. Skirmishes like this often left me windmilling my arms as I fell backwards down the steps. Thanks to the long line ahead of me, I was already halfway down the stairs before banging down to the bottom. He's only five years old. Stop shoving him down the steps. My mother picked me up and dusted me off. Beth did it. I pointed at my sister. My mother leaned over and whispered in my ear, nobody likes a squealer. <laughs> Get in there and learn to fight back. The best way to keep my mother's attention on our mornings together was to do housework with her. Every morning, I dragged a chair over to the freezer, climbed up, and grabbed a, the frost-covered can of orange juice concentrate. She cranked it open with me standing on the chair in front of the sink, and we merrily counted together one, two, three, as I added cans of water, and she stirred a tornado in the pitcher. Here you go, sweetheart. She handed me the lid to lick. Don't cut your tongue on the edge. <laughs> we saved the empty orange juice cans for my sisters to use as rollers and me to play with as toys. Enough empties piled up for me to build pyramids and walls where I could block out the commotion of our house and live in an orange juice kingdom. <laughs> I often played until I had to pee so bad I got a stabbing pain if I tried to stand up straight. I chattered my teeth in the bathroom line, hoping I'd make it without wetting my pants. 
It's hard to keep your pants dry if someone throws you down the steps while you're holding a pee. <laughs> One day, an inspiration came down into my head like Santa coming down the chimney. I plucked one of the orange juice cans off the kingdom wall, crawled behind the couch, and peed in it. <laughs> the topped-off can looked just like it did when we opened it that morning. <laughs> I set it on the windowsill where no one would find it mixed in with all the other garage sale junk. I felt this rush of new possibilities in my life. Every time another can of pee popped up, my mother grew angry in her eyes. She started pulling couches away from the walls and looking under chairs. I felt like I might get caught, so I escaped to the basement. I flipped on the light and waited for the cockroaches to scatter before I tiptoed down the steps, orange juice can in hand. I filled the can as quickly as possible before the roaches came back and ate my face. I hid the can in the farthest back, darkest corner of the basement. My mother found it, and it gave her just the nudge she said she needed to send her flying over the edge. Tell me you didn't do this. She towered over me, pointing at the orange juice can. I didn't do it, Mom. Swear to God. My mother could scare me when she wanted to, but my native liar came out to protect me. <laughs> I swear to God, Mom. An uneasy feeling about what this would do to my soul poured over me, but I felt relieved to get away from this woman who was just looking for a fight. I took my orange juice cans for the safety of the backyard. By her own admission, my mother could never get out of this house, so the cans outside wouldn't bother her. When I peed outside, I thought, this must be what heaven is like. <laughs> I left the topped-off containers on the back porch and around the yard like votive candles. <laughs> on a warm summer evening, I slipped around the side of the porch wearing my little cuffed blue jeans, white t-shirt, and black sneakers. The sheets on the clothesline waved in the warm breeze. The sound of the can filling joined with the chirping of the evening birds. I kept an eye over my shoulder. Suspicious white sneakers appeared under the sheets on the clothesline. They ran towards me, and the sheet flew away, revealing my sneak of a mother. I jetted down the side of the house, still trying to fill the can. <laughs> but she ran fast for a girl, and she caught my shoulder. I knew it was you. She shook me once for each word and said, don't do this ever again, ever. Back on the stairs, I rejoined the chorus of the bathroom song. I smiled at my younger sister, Kathy. Your pagar's gonna have to wait, I said. I pushed her down a step and took my place in line. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production. The 2014 curator of this program is Felicia Gonzalez. This episode of Sound Pages was produced by Mo Proventure. Recording engineers are C.J. Lazenby, Tom Stiles, Mo Proventure, and Steve DeTori. Narrator is Jen Hammond, and executive director of Jack Straw Cultural Center is Joan Rabinowitz. Theme music by two trios with Victor Noriega, Jeff Johnson, and Greg Campbell, 
produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, For Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.